0: episode 42 of the dog bone podcast this one is going to be we just did a couple we just recorded a few um, did some stuff off of questions versus uh, training questions that we've gotten on our Facebook uh, different social platforms Um, love doing those I think they're real valuable Um, we all I'm gonna this one's gonna be a little bit different Uh, this one I'm gonna we're gonna talk about something that's been going on uh, that I've I've personally jumped into um it's it's re- been a real interesting thing for me. Um it's also we're going to talk about another podcast that's kind of been uh, a a heavy influence and a heavy inspiration to me on it. Um it's regarding some of my personal dogs. I've got the reason I'm going to talk about it is because I've gotten several messages about it. Um folks didn't realize the the different things that I actually do with my personal dogs. Um our dogs obviously they shed hunt Um, we, we track with them. We use them as game recovery dogs. Um, we, they're family dogs first. You know, our dogs live in the, live in the house with us. All of ours do. All of our clients' dogs do as well. Um, we're training one right now, Bella. And Bella is going to be a gun dog. She's also going to be a tracking dog. She's going down to Illinois Whitetail and Waterfall, which is a outfitter down in Southern Illinois. So we we just got done with Cody go back. Cody go back is a series. Cody's actually in Saskatchewan right now on a on a snow goose hunt. They're shooting they're shooting some ducks too, I think. Um, but they were picking. They sent videos. They were shooting Canadian geese. They're shooting specks. They're shooting blues and snows. They're shooting all sorts of stuff. Uh, they flushed and shot some huns or something, chuckers of some sort. Chuckers. So some type of an upland bird. Um, they used Cody to to cast. Now remember Cody's a pheasant dog. Um, she shot, they shot a lot of birds over her last year, game farm birds, put over 750 birds, um, out for her. And she picked, flushed and picked, um, the majority of those. So Cody's another dog that we trained and, and we've built a lot of content around. Um, my personal dogs, Ellie, we've taken her rabbit hunting, uh, and we videoed that and showed that through our social platforms. Uh, we hunted her with beagles. Um, she worked off lead on heel. Uh, we let the beagles run the rabbits. We shot the rabbits and Ellie made the retrieves. All these different things, um, that we do with our dogs that aren't necessarily this core, I think, and I, and I'm glad we get looked at as this core deer dog, um, brand because that is what we were, that's what we've built. Um, we do spend a ton of time focusing on it. It's where, um, our passion lies is with deer. And we've got another brand named Hodeg and Hodeg is a completely a deer product. So it's a real important part, but I don't think people realized that, you know, the backstory with me is up to uh, upland and gundogs. Um, that was prior to doing the deer dog stuff. And that was like in college and that was in high school. And I didn't do any of the shed training stuff until after, um, you know, it was, 12, 13 years ago. I don't want to age myself here. I am not 40 yet, but I'm damn close. But I, I, you know, we, my, I grew up with golden retrievers and the upland dog was like my thing. And I, and I didn't know a damn thing about it and ours weren't that good. Uh, but I, I thought they were great at the time. Um, and I just think that's a real common thing. I think people think their dog's always the best until they realize, boy, they, they can get more out of them. So, I'm going to talk about something that we've been doing, and we've we've documented it a lot um, recently. And it's 100% been inspired by outside influence. Um, and so we, my parents live in northern Wisconsin. They've lived up there for a while. Um, it's been something that's been on my heart a bit is to to get up there more, uh, spend more time with them. They used to live three miles from me. Now they live two hours from me. And so we've got kids, and and our family. I miss the interaction I had with my parents when they lived three miles away. So they live in Oneida County. They live up near Rhinelander, Wisconsin. and, and I never realized until the last three years, it's been three seasons now. This is the third season. So uh, I bought a over under shotgun. this will be the third year. So I bought it in it'd be 2017, fall of 2017. something that I've wanted to own my entire life never had the resources to, to get one, never, never, never had the reason to, never had the money to. And I finally said, you know what, I'm going to, I sold a couple of guns that I, I, I hate selling guns, but I had a bunch of muzzle loaders that I had won. I had a rifle that we were never going to use that I had won at a Whitetails Unlimited banquet. So I ended up selling them and I used that money to buy a Browning Satori Upland special. And I absolutely love it. Um, it's been something I've wanted forever. I bought it because I said, if I buy the gun, maybe it'll force me to use the gun and get back into the grouse woods. Uh, my background with hunting grouse, or I like to call them partridge. Uh, my grandpa called them partridge and I grew up, I never heard anybody call it a grouse until I was in high school. I always heard them called partridge, but um, that was when I was living up north in Rhinelander. And, and it was just different then. And, and I hunted them a little bit, not much. Didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, buddies and I would walk a little bit. We had dogs that weren't that good. Um, occasionally, we would find a bird. Occasionally, we would hit a bird. Not very many. Um, but I I have great memories of it. And so recently, um, I started listening. I, listened to, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I started listening to a podcast called Project Upland. And Project Upland, when I first started listening to it, was a couple years back now, and um, It was, they were talking almost exclusively, they were talking that what I listened to anyway was stuff that was partridge, grouse hunting. And I went, man, I miss the hell out of that. And I would really like to do it. And so that was when I started these wheels turning. Well, my shop happened to be next to our, at the time our warehouse was next to a gun shop, uh, Gus's Guns, that's called. It's a used gun place. I guess you can get new ones too, but they have a lot of used guns. And I went in there for about two times a week, three times a week, looking for a shotgun, um, looking for a side-by-side or an over-under. And they happened to get a over-under in from someone's collection, this gun that, I, they didn't even put it on the shelf. And he told me about it. He said, yeah, I might, might have one you're interested. And I bought it. And um, I used it that year. I walked a little bit, did not flush a bird. Um, but I was like, damn, I just kind of enjoyed the idea of getting out in the woods and doing this again. It reminded me a lot of being younger. And so I was really enjoying it. Um, but I, again, I didn't know much about it. I've made a commitment. Uh, last year, I didn't do it hardly at all. And I really regretted it. Um, because I gave I, I, I feel like I, I just didn't take advantage of opportunities that I had. So this year, um, my, my parents have their place up north. Um, we Uh, Went in with my dad on this little cabin. Uh, My parents actually bought this little cabin um, with the idea of, you guys let us know if you like it. And if you do, maybe we talk about somewhere down the road, I maybe buy it from them. But they bought it as an investment. And so we bought, we were were using this little cabin of theirs. um, And it's in the heart of, like, I didn't realize how good the hunting was there uh, for partridge, for grouse and woodcock. So, Onyx Maps, and I don't want to plug shit because I just don't think this is this isn't that kind of po- podcast. We're not a sponsored thing. We're not we're not going to turn it into commercials. Um, but Onyx Maps is a partner of ours in a, in some respects. Like we've done some stuff with them for Licking Stick for Hoag Licking Stick. Um, we've done some giveaways with memberships to Onyx. We used the Onyx Maps last year, um, and my son killed. A giant deer, and we really used the Onyx map as a tool to mark certain locations and and plot out um, trail cam videos that we were getting on the licking stick. And so we used it as a tool. Um, it became very effective. Um, since then, I have started dabbling into the other things that I can use it for, and I didn't realize how valuable it was as a grouse hunter to have it. The amount of information I can get mapping wise, and I've actually found this fascination now with the idea of how much land there is available for me to hunt, whether it be county, national forest, American Legion forest, private land that's open to the public through MFL, um, lumber company land, timber company land. I mean, it's unbelievable the opportunities that I did not realize I had. um, Wouldn't have known had I not just dug into it a little bit using these layers on these maps. I can turn a map on layer that's called Wisconsin Game Birds, which shows me overlays of cuts, um, aspen cuts, which obviously are our primary focus for a lot of people when they're hunting upland uh, grouse and woodcock. They're key part of their ecosystem. So the more I'm learning. So back to Project Upland, I started listening to it and I'm just obsessed with it. Um, I don't listen to all the episodes because some of them don't pertain to necessarily what I'm interested in. Some of them are more Western. It's not necessarily just grouse hunting in Midwest. Um, it's a, it's a quite a wide variety. I have started digging into more of the episodes of the shotgun stuff. Um, just listen to one with um, custom fitting shotguns and listen to a few about um, history stuff with side-by-sides. And So some of that stuff is becoming more and more interesting to me. Um, but the, the stuff that I've learned about the actual bird and how to hunt the bird effectively, both through um, some of the podcast stuff, but also through some of the articles I joined. Their, I don't join membership stuff. I got a membership because I'm gonna get the magazine from them. Um, part of the reason I guess I'm doing it is because I really believe in their mission. Um, and I'm a I'm a supporter of stuff I believe in. Um, so I have, have, have put a lot of time and effort into it. And, and it's because I'm just enjoying it a lot. Now that doesn't mean I'm not going to deer hunt. It's just, I'm going to have to make some decisions um, with what I'm going to do with my time though. And so there is only so much time. Um, I love deer. I always will. I'm never going to fade away from that. I'm a art. I'm a bow hunter first. I just, I just really enjoy everything about bow hunting. Um, I'm not going to not bow hunt, but I am going to have to sacrifice a little bit of that time um, to, to commit to some of this stuff with the upland. And the thing about it, so now, so there's a little backstory on it. The thing where it relates to this podcast is the training part of it. My dogs um, have been trained, you know, Ellie, Spry, and Taylor all hunted with me this last weekend and the dog work, again, if it weren't for dogs, I would have no interest in hunting these birds. Um, I just don't, I, I don't understand. I would never walk through what I walked through. I would never put the miles on. I would never do what we did this last weekend, um, just to shoot that bird. Like it's not, I love the bird. I think it's beautiful. I think it tastes delicious. Um, I think it's a, a challenge, uh, for God, the challenge hard enough to get a shot, hard enough to make the shot when you do have it like unbelievable challenge. Um, so I really enjoy the sport because of that. But if it weren't for the dogs, I wouldn't do it. I absolutely can't get enough of watching the dogs work. Um, I'm very interested in getting a pointing dog. Um, I've talked with a handful of breeders to this point. I'm not even set on the breed yet. I'm, I'm in between a setter. Um, and of the setter, I'm in between three different varieties of the setter. Um, and the pointer. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in a couple kennels that have pointers. I am going to 100% invest a lot of time into digging into finding the exact right dog for me. And I don't know that I'll find the right exact dog the first shot, but um, I'm going to eliminate things and and I'm going to make a real educated guess at the first pointing dog that I get. I'm very interested in training one. Um, I'm very interested in the process of training one. I don't think I'm going to change much of the way I train my retrievers. Obviously certain things will be different, but my approach to foundation won't be I just don't think it matters, I don't, and it's a bold statement, and i am not done it yet, so if you're a pointer guy and you're listening to this, you're gonna go, you're up for it. yeah, try me. I, I had the same response from people when I ch- brought in a Malinois Shepherd mix. You know how many people sent me messages that said, good luck, you're not gonna be able to do it the way you do it with your labs. They're just totally different dogs, and I agree with them, they are completely different dogs, and I've changed the way I trained very little, and I had excellent results with that shepherd Malinois mix. And I don't know that I'm going to, I'm going to find out, um, myself now it's, it's a ways out. I mean, we're talking 2020, 2021, 21 probably is when I'm probably going to look at the pointer. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to hunt over them and I'm going to dial down to figure out exactly which one I want. But back to my dogs, and I had this conversation with a guy that is very, very well-seasoned in pointing dogs. He's owned some, lots of them. He's owned labs. He's owned different styles of dogs. And one of the things he said to me was, I'll be honest with you, Jeremy, he said, you'll probably bag more birds and have more success with your flushing labs than you may with a pointer. And I said, that might be. Um, But I do think there's a bit of romance to the idea of hunting over a pointer. I'm, I'm I think there's a bit of romance. There's a romantic aspect to the idea of Upland in general. And I think part of it is exactly counter to what he's saying. I am not doing this and I don't do this to base success on the number of birds I put in the bag at all. If I did, I'd be real disappointed. I just love the idea of this culture of of hunting is not so much about how many birds we killed. Um, In fact, a lot of guys just count the flushes. Like that's a, that's a win for them. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I used these retrievers this weekend and absolutely loved the hunt with them in the thick, thick, thick woods. Um, most of the birds we flush, we flushed 36, we had 36 grouse flushes, uh, and two woodcock. And we had five opportunities for shots. I had five opportunities for shots and I hit two. Which I can't believe. Um, a lot of luck involved, probably. But uh, the th- the three that I missed were better opportunities. I probably could have should have hit those more so than the ones I hit. But anyway, uh, that's just part of it. But I just think that working my dogs on this upland, they have not. They're limited with the amount of upland experience they have. A few of them, you know, Ellie Taylor have have hunted some pheasants. Um, we've we've shot. We've shot, we've picked with them. We've picked birds with them from like a a dove standpoint, from a duck standpoint, from a goose standpoint. We've done that. Um, But the the quartering and casting has been limited. But the control level that I have with these dogs has made it just a really easy transition. So I don't think you have to choose one or the other. I think this is going to be a great test. It's going to be a great case study for a guy that is not a committed over-the-top upland hunter to find upland success working their dogs, training them to be shed dogs, tracking dogs, gun dogs. And I'm excited to show that because I think there's a lot of people in my position um, that have dogs that are similar to mine and wouldn't mind doing a little bit of everything with them and, and, and don't necessarily have to not do it well. I think these... I think there are very few people that would have hunted over those dogs last weekend and said that was not a good experience with those dogs. I mean, it was it was really cool because each one has their own style. Ellie's style is beat the brush. I love her in the brush. Uh, she's not. She'll go out 15 yards to 20 yards off the move off the trail to the right or the left, and she will work that cover steady, and then she always comes out behind me. So she always half moons it and comes out behind me. And then she goes past me and then she works the works to the left or to the right again. And every flush that was, that we had Ellie was in on. It was almost always Ellie. Now, Spry, who had never, has not picked birds before, um, you know, she's two and a half years old. She picked some doves, but that was it. Um, this is her first season out. She works very similar to Taylor. Taylor is a straight out dog. They like to work the trail out, get wind, and then go work into the cover. Um, Ellie just goes to the cover and works. And so what, what those dogs learned really quickly was when Ellie goes in there, they're always late to the game. And Ellie would flush and then Spry got real excited and would go in and work. And watching the style of her, she's got more style than any dog I own. Her tail action is the best. Her Her body language is the best. So over the course of, the weekend, she started to realize, I think, and figure out the good stuff doesn't come necessarily if I'm, if I'm waiting on the trail. I do have to get into that cover a little bit. And it's just putting the pieces together for her. One thing that she did really well for me, um, but it's something also that we're going to have to work on, is uh, Ellie and Taylor were out flushing. They were out in front of me. I couldn't see them. Um, I had Spry on, lead, on heel off lead. So she was just in heel position. I never worked, I very rarely worked all three dogs together. Most of the time it was two working together and one on heel, and I just rotated them. Kept them fresh, but it also built in control and steadiness, um, which is just piggybacking on all the stuff we do from a training standpoint. But Ellie, Ellie and Taylor were out, Spry was on heel, dogs got birding, I could tell, and all of a sudden they started. the wood started to erupt. <laughs> They just flush, flush, flush. They're down in a hole and I can't see them and these birds are getting up and I can't even see the birds. Well, I saw one bird get up and came up and I shot that bird and hit it and it fell and it went down, uh, but it was flopping. I just winged it. And so Spry was on heel and the other two were down there and still flushing. It was a family group of birds. So they were still flushing. I was hearing birds get back, continue to get up. So I took Spry who marked that bird down off heel I lined her and sent her in and she made a beautiful retrieve. I actually caught it at the end on Instagram um, on our story live. And she brought the bird back and the bird is live flopping in her mouth. And the one thing, so so, it went back to a lot of our core training of memory work, lining work, steady to, to heal, steady to flush. And that's, that played out perfectly in the grouse woods for us. But when she came back, she was a little hard mouthed. And I don't think she wasn't chomping, but she was putting a little more pressure on than I wanted. So what it did, what it told me was, we're going to go back with her on cold game. She's not hard mouthed. She's going to go back to cold game, deliver nicely, deliver easy. I kept reminding her, easy, easy. and, And then release. So, but that bird was alive and flopping. And I think that was part of her pressure that she put on the bird. So we're gonna start, we're gonna use some pigeons, live pigeons with her. I'm gonna film all that stuff. I'm gonna show that stuff, but we're gonna transition and build off of something that came up last weekend with her delivery on a live bird. And we're gonna try to improve on it. Um, But as the season goes on, we're gonna get up, we're gonna spend some time hunting the partridge. And I don't care if, uh, some guys call partridge, I guess, Uh, road hunting them. And I don't, I call them partridge all the time. So it doesn't matter. It depends on how you, what you want, how you want to describe them. But grouse, partridge, whatever you call them, woodcock when the season opens. Um, I have to send out a thank you to Project Upland on it because it's what really pushed me over. Um, And I'm, I'm really enjoying getting the information getting more and more information from them. Um, I recommend it if someone's interested. I recommend the idea of multiple species hunting with your dog. I think you're crazy to just do one thing. Um, now, I, I, and I understand there's some of these 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 bird guys, these grouse guys, these partridge guys, these woodcock guys. They're very into their pointing dogs. I get it; that breed is built for that. I don't. Th- I think they're nuts to just hunt grouse with them. If I were them, and I'm that into upland, I'm probably going to hunt pheasant with them. I'm probably going to hunt chuckers, and I think that's on the list for most of those guys to do that. I, you know, are they going to duck hunt with those dogs? Maybe not. Um, you know, some of them. Now, some of them I think are pretty versatile. Um, some of them, you know, NAVDA is built for that kind of stuff. So some of these breeds, definitely both. Me personally, this is, and, and I, I, I say it with the risk of offending probably some people. Um, I'm not the, I'm not the, um, I'm not the side-by-side. I'm not the, setter guy, the pointer guy, the purest of this, this, and this. I, that's not me right now in my life. Um, I like to do a little bit of everything. And so I personally, um, you know, I'm, I also think about it and I go, if I want a pointing dog, I'm going to get a pointing dog. I don't, my, point, my pointing dogs, I don't care if they retrieve w- when I get one. I'm not looking for a pointing dog to be my retriever. I'm looking for the pointing dog to point point. I have retrievers and and one of my big, big long time goals has always been work a pointing dog and and one of my retrievers together. It's the same scenario that we had this weekend where my flushers flushed with one of them on heel and that heel dog became my retriever. Well my, and that's part of why I can, will continue to practice the idea of always having these dogs throughout the weekends or weeks or whenever I'm hunting, I'm always going to have them working off lead on in heel position at times. I've got buddies that have pointing dogs that I can't wait to hunt with them because my dogs will likely heal the majority of the time. I'll use them to flush, I'll use them to retrieve. I'm gonna see how that goes with hunting with the pointing dogs. But I don't disagree with my buddy. I think my buddy's maybe right. I might shoot just as many birds with a flushing dog as I would a pointing dog, but it's a different type of hunt. And I'd like to experience both types of it. I'm not going to be snobby about one or the other. I want to do both. I probably want to do more than just both. And so I'll probably, that's how, that's the direction I'm going to go with it. I think it's just a personal choice. You know, there's probably some purists that are going to say, man, you, you, that's not the way this sport is. I'll tell you right now, (laughs) there's a lot of ways to do things. And I don't think that, and that's one of the things that I've kind of appreciated with Project Upland as well is, I don't know that, I don't get the, I don't get the feeling from them that they're. They're going to put their nose up in the air to everybody else. Um, I'd be the guy that they would, and I don't think that they would. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to do it the way I do it, and and I'm not going to measure. You know, the guy that said to me, "You're going to get, you're going to probably put as many birds in the bag as you would with your flushing dogs." I'd stick with that. Yeah, that's if I if I gauge the success of my season this year, hunting hunting upland. If I gauge it based on the number of birds I put in the bag, I'm, I think I missed the boat. I, and, and, and so I don't want to get to that point. I am loving the other parts of it. I'm loving the idea of exploring. I'm I, I, I get tired of the public land push. I mean, I, I love it. I think it's great, but I get tired of it, of people being elitist because they hunt public land. I think it's great. Go for it. I, I, I'm, I think it's pretty cool to be private landowners. Um, I love managing property. I can't manage public land. I can't, can't put food stuff in. I can't plant stuff. I can't do my own timber improvements. I can't. So I love private land and, and I love the idea of owning property. It's just a personal thing, but I do get the idea of how cool it is to have open acreage to hunt, especially a bird like this. Cause I think you need stuff like, I think you need it, um, to be able to do this. I don't think you can, I I'd never be able to afford enough to do it well um, for a bird like this. But it's just really cool to see the ecosystem and understand the ecosystem and how it ties to management practices when it comes to timber and management practices when it comes to different landscapes and, and see wildlife thrive. And I think using the idea of, and this is all stuff I've heard now on Project Upland Podcasts, is the way that, that that grouse, that partridge becomes a barometer for the health of the woods to me it's fascinating um and it's not just benefiting those birds it's everything else so I am kind of uh falling in line and and loving the idea of digging into an onyx maps and just starting to figure out once I go in the woods seeing what that looks like in comparison to what the map looks like from an aerial photo or a hybrid photo or understanding the topo impacts of whether I'm going to be a be on my knees in water, or I'm going to be, you know, up to my ankles and I can walk through it with rubber boots. So, and then figuring out how that ties back to where the birds are. We flushed all of our, we did not flush a bird. We did not flush a grouse in an aspen cut this weekend. They were all in a little bit more mature timber. I never would have guessed that. And and so it was just real interesting. Well, after digging into it, it's all driven by food source. It's all driven by the way those birds are kind of grouped up right now. It's just where they kind of live when they've got families, young chicks, and they're raising them. Well, that's what I'm hunting right now. And later in the year, I think that we'll we'll have to move. It'll change. But we found, I shot a bird that's craw was full of helicopters from maples. Well, there's no maples in those clear cuts. There's no maples in those aspen cuts that are 10, 15, 20 years old. There's no helicopters there. It was all in the mature woods next to or close to aspens. Uh, We flushed. We flushed a ton of birds out of an area that I never would have walked. If I, it, it, there was, I just, I wouldn't have walked it, but we got 15 yards from the truck and we flushed one and we kept going and we kept going and kept going. We just kept getting into them and it looked nothing like the cover that I thought it would need to be. So real interesting, um, probably a little off track of what we normally are talking here, but uh, it's something that's we've been posting a lot about it. and So I've started getting questions and started getting some messages about it. And, uh, we thought we'd hit it up here on the, on our podcast. So, uh, that's, what was that? Number 42, Ben 42, Forty two. man. She's in the books. Uh, it's the year of the grouse, maybe, um, partly anyway. Um, so we're going to do some of that and we'll be sharing that and just, just kind of gives you a, a heads up on, on where we're going with it and why we're doing it. And, uh, maybe I hope, um, inspiring in its own right, because I've been inspired And if we can help one other person do it, um, I think it's a win and, and another, it's just another plug for the future of our sport. But, um, and I don't like, you know, the public service messages are, you know, we get them all the time, but one of the things I've picked up too, and not just from Project Upland, but a couple other, um, groups that I've been following along with some of the, the grouse hunting stuff, just trying to educate myself is the idea and the importance of when you, of, of keeping the sport, um, keeping people involved in it. So one of the things I am going to make a point of, uh, and I actually think it was a Project Upland podcast that I heard them talking about. I think it was the president of the Rough Grouse Society was talking about it, um, which I became a member of. I, you know, I've been members of these different groups in the past and I decided, you know what, I have to be, I have to do my part as well um, so I rejoined them all. I've been members of them all it, it, throughout my life. Um, I'm joining them all, but I, so this, this, I think it was an interview with him and he talked about bringing and introducing, um, someone new to the sport, introducing someone new to, um, this, this lifestyle. And so it doesn't necessarily, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to pick someone that's never hunted before, but maybe, uh, but I talked with my wife about it last night. I said, we should think about, you know who who could we take and and i don't like taking people and not having success and so we've found a little bit of success i'm getting a little bit better at trying to figure the game out a little bit so who can we bring to learn it with us um so i'm going to make a point of doing that bringing someone that maybe has never grouse hunted before maybe they've never hunted before um, but we're going to do that And that's in addition to our kids. You know, our kids are going to be doing it this year as well, and this will be the first time for for them um, to experience it. Um, But that's something we're going to make a point of too. I just just think it was a real interesting point the guy made. He said, if every hunter took one more person, just one person this year, and and I'm not saying do it every weekend or every day or whatever, but if you took one person this year that's never done it, you put you, you in in reality. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is if every person that did that took one person that had never done it, you literally double the number of people that have experienced it that year. So um, it's not that hard to do, um, and so we're gonna do it. But so that's it for 42. It's a it's a it's a, a tribute and a thank you and a plug. I will plug them um, if you're if you're interested in learning. Um, more about stuff like this. I do recommend Project Upland. I think it's a really, really cool, cool thing that they're doing. Um, Inspirational uh, to me anyway. And so... And then with that, I've got another on my podcast list. I've got another topic that we're going to cover here. Not right now, but we're going to record it in a a future one is resources. Um, Because I can't tell you how much it means when I get messages from you guys that say, thank you. I mean, so many of them start. Thank you so much for your content. Thank you so much for the podcast. Thank you. Like when, when I hear that, that's inspiration and motivation enough to keep doing them. But I want you guys to realize I find motivation and inspiration and knowledge through it's not all inherent in me. Um, I'm constantly seeking it out. So I'm gonna put together we're gonna probably do a podcast episode and I'm gonna make a list of the things that I think that I've dug into I've used over the years as resources and I want to pass that information on to you because I recommend it to you as well um, They're all they all serve different purposes but uh, I'm gonna we're gonna be doing that we're gonna kind of it's, I don't want to turn it into a commercial. It's not going to be a commercial, but I'm going to share with you the stuff that I've used and the stuff that I've p- dug into and gotten information to help me, um, do what, do what, what we're doing now and get to where we're at right now. And then and it's, it's not as simple as read this book and it'll work. It's read this book. There's a lot of good stuff in it. And then you got to pr- be a practitioner. You're going to have to actually do some stuff. So Um, but I think, you know, getting, getting as much, I want to give you guys as much information as I can. Um, but I think there's outside stuff too that, uh, I can help point you in the right direction of. So that's going to come in the future, but thank you guys for listening. Um, that one is, is in the books here and we will continue to crank them out. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. Please leave us a, um, review, um, hit, give us a rating if you would. Um, and be sure to subscribe to this stuff so that you're getting the notifications when new stuff comes out thanks and continue chasing your guys's passion as well i know i'm going to